What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I wanted to just throw this in in the beginning. Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. That really helps our numbers. Check out the merch store at brennantcomedy.com slash merch store to get your ex-drinking buddy merch. And if you really want to, subscribe on Patreon, patreon.com slash brennantassif. That really helps me out. Thank you so much. Enjoy the episode. And grab him a coat. We about to sit for an hour bullshit and tell jokes. And please don't mix it up, cause he done sobered up. Brandon T. Comedy on your social media feeds. And Brandon Tassib is your ex drinking buddy. Brandon Tassib is your ex drinking buddy. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Brandon Tassif is your ex drinking buddy. I'm your host, Brandon Tassif. If you're new to the program, quick rundown of the show. I used to be everyone's favorite drinking buddy. It was my favorite thing to do, hang out with friends, get drunk, do drugs, get in all sorts of trouble, and then reminisce about those crazy stories. I am sober now, but it's still one of my favorite things to do, hang out with someone and reminisce about the crazy old days. Most weeks I'll be joined by a guest. This week is no exception. All the way from New York City, Jeremy <laughs> Crendon. Ah! What an intro. What's up? Hey, not much, man. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm really well. Thanks for having me on. This is fun. Thank you for coming on. Before we get too far into anything, I know you don't need any help with this, but plug everything up front. Oh my gosh. Follow me on Instagram. Jake Big Critty. time following, baby. Gotta get it. If you like your gay thirst traps, that's the, that's the place. It's a one-stop shop. It is shop. the place. <laughs> I'm on TikTok. Hi, Jake Critty, because I was the last person to get on TikTok. Yeah. And someone had already stolen my name. Oh, son of a bitch. I know. At least they're not doing anything with it. Yeah, that's true. At least they've given me that. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you follow me on Instagram, you'll find out when comedy shows are coming up. And Perfect. All that fun stuff. Yeah, I um, I did two open mics back in 2009 and I changed everything and everything thus moving forward was Brennan T. Comedy. So now when anything comes out, like a platform or anything, I immediately snatch it up. Oh, yeah. I've got an OnlyFans just so I have Jay Critty. <laughs> Like, there's nothing on there. I get messages all the time from people going like, um, are you going to show us your dick or not? Yeah. Like, yeah maybe. That's, hey. I want to keep the option open. Just in case. Yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, because now whenever a new platform comes out, I have to snag up Brennan. And luckily, my name is unique enough to where, especially if you throw comedy at the end of it, you can kind of get away with it. But sure. because you shorten it to Critty, I'm sure it's uh, it, they just fucking take it. Well, yeah, and it's so fun. I every once in a while I'll do a little search, like I'll search for Jay Critty because you'll find like spam accounts or yeah. you know people uh, impersonating you or whatever. And there's a, I think it's a James Crittenden or something somewhere in the U.S. who's started using Jay Critty underscore OG as he's like the OG Jay Critty. Son of a bitch! Just bitch didn't get to the name fast enough. I Not guess. at all. That's right. Hey. <laughs> You've got enough to enough like clout to be like, hey man, that's back right. the fuck off. Yeah, this is yeah. my corner. Yeah, um, trademark it. I wanted to ask you. Uh, I love. I'm so happy you're on the show. You've got so much going on because you do comedy, you do the fitness stuff. Uh, you used to be in radio, so I guess I always ask all my guests this because, especially guests who are comedians, because stand up is such a niche thing. Mm-hmm. How did you even find that? Like to to do stand up. Yeah. You know, it was always I, growing up, 
like I was obsessed with SNL. I was obsessed okay. with, uh, you know, like an evening at the improv that yeah. you get on TV. Anything that was sort of like comedy stand-up related, I just absolutely devoured it. I thought it okay. was the coolest thing in the world. And where growing up, where was that? Medicine Hat, Alberta, Canada. There we go. You said you were an immigrant, <laughs> so I wanted to make sure everybody knew. Yeah. You're from Canada. Yeah. And, uh, and But I always did theater. Like I'm an actor. I've been an actor for, you know – professional actor for you know 20 some years now God. and uh but doing like stand-up was always something that i thought oh yeah maybe one day i'll try that maybe one day i'll try so that you, because you liked it and you watched it a lot you were a, a truly a fan yeah you kept thinking like yeah maybe i'll do that but then you're doing like theater and plays and acting and you just when did it kind of click like when was the first time you were ever on stage for stand-up for this year was it really? Yeah. That's insane to me. Dude, I've only been doing this like six months. I know. And that's crazy because you yeah. already have such a big following and stuff. So you're just kind of like, yeah, let's do it. Well, and here's the thing is like you're doing theater and all that stuff. You're kind of like building up a lot of the skills around it. Oh, yeah, for sure. So – Well, then also doing radio, you learn yeah. how to talk and yeah. – Yeah, exactly. You're so, a wordsmith of sorts. Well, we try. Yeah. We try. Um, but yeah, so after I – when I turned 40 – I'm 41 now. Okay. When I turned 40, I had this like I don't have a thing about my age, but like I did have this moment of going like, okay, I'm I'm midway through. Yeah. I'm if I'm lucky, I'm at the halfway point right now. I had and that so, at 25. <laughs> <laughs> the way I was drinking, I was like, yeah, we got about 20 left. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If I get through the 30s, I'll be thrilled. <laughs> but so I decided I was like, there's there's shit in my life that I keep saying like, oh, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to start doing those things. Yeah. Because if I look back now at the first 40 years, I, you know, I feel like it was defined by relationships with other people. You know, when you're a kid, it's defined by the relationship with your family. Um, I was always married. Like I was in long-term relationships. I always defined myself by my partners. Yeah. And I thought, okay, the next half, it's going to be about – I'm going to define myself by the things that I want to do. Yeah, absolutely. And so I signed up for a stand-up comedy class. Where did, what was the class? It was a Laughing Buddha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've had a few guests on who started there. Nice. Um, so when did you move to the States? I moved to the States in – like moved, moved here 2019. Okay. But I was back and forth from Canada a lot as of like 2016, 2017. Okay. And when did you get into – so you acted obviously I'm assuming all through like high school and mm -hmm. did you go to school for theater? In college? I went to school for film acting. Okay. But then I had a career in musical theater for, you know, 15 years before I really started doing television. What? So, yeah, I want to – let's go through this entire timeline. Sure. This is, this is fascinating it's to me. bananas. So, growing up in Alberta, Canada, yeah. you're a, a, a wee lad and you're like, <laughs> I want to get on stage. I want attention. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly that's, what I mean, was. that's what we all did. Yeah. Uh, all of us in this industry, in the arts. We – I mean, I was – a kid and my parents were like, he's insane. Like we need to put him somewhere where people will look at – because I'm like running around doing impressions like, ah, yeah, look yeah. at me, look at me, look at me. So they put me into theater when I was very young as well. Nice. Because they were like, we have to find an outlet for this. Right. And then luckily – Unluckily, Jackass was a big thing when I was a teenager. Oh my God, of course. So there's like a Brennan Staples himself video on YouTube and all this kind of crazy oh, stuff. damn. But then I found comedy and then it all kind of worked out for a you. slightly healthier yeah. outlet. At least I'm not hurting myself anymore. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, God. At least dude, not physically. Look. Damn. Yeah. So as a kid, you get into theater. Yeah. 
Um, and then take us through all of it. Like, how do you end up getting into acting? You said you went from musical theater to then television. Mm-hmm. Is that in the state? Like, just go through the timeline. Um, I know you have a hard out, so as yeah. quickly and condensed as you can, but like, how did it? Sure. How did it happen? Because you've done so much. Well, when I was like, uh, nobody in my family is in the arts. So I'm the only person who's really gone into entertainment or arts at all. And um, I, uh, singing was really how it started. And when I was a kid, um, my mom would sing in the car. And that's where I say I learned to sing, but singing with my mom in the car to like Fleetwood Mac and Roxette yeah. tapes, you know? And so I went into choir when I was in elementary school. And then that naturally led into doing, you know, musicals in junior high and high school. Um, and that's really when I fell in love with it. I went away for one summer and did like essentially theater camp. Yeah. Um, and was went like, okay, this is exactly what I want to do for the rest of my life. Turned 18, moved out to uh, Vancouver, BC. Yeah. Went you to know, film acting school. When someone wants to make it in acting, they move to Vancouver. Yeah. Duh. Yeah. Everybody knows that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't do that? This is Weird. a crazy question. Do you know a young woman by the name of Candace Bryant? I don't think I do. Damn it. She's uh, someone I work with, but she's an actor also from that same area. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I, and it was weird because we, someone else we just hired at the restaurant was like, oh, I used to act too. And I'm from Canada. Mm. And Candace was like, it's a big fucking country, Brennan. <laughs> yeah. Cause you know me, I'm ignorant. I was like, you two must know each other. Then they started talking. They, they went to like the other. Sam yeah. dance yeah. academy. Yeah, yeah, of and course I was they like, did. son of a bitch. Yeah. So when you said, do you know, I was like, brace yourself because you probably will. Yeah. It happens that, all the time. That's why I was like, oh, maybe because yeah. it was that same kind of region. So you go to the university to study film acting. Yeah. It was like a little private school that was just for like acting. Yeah. Um, Which method? Meisner? I did a little bit of Meisner. It was like a little bit of a mix okay, of everything. That's like good. It that's, depended yeah. on what, what teacher Diversity you were with. Diversity is important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that place went bankrupt while I was there. Of course. You know. And uh, then- I was working at a gay bar, which was one of the craziest places I've ever worked in my life. At 19? Yeah. 18, 19, 20? 19 years old. Yeah. Immediately like- Were you big into fitness at this time too? No. Okay. Not at all. Fitness was kind of like, I'd, I had a gym membership. I might go like once a week or something like okay. that. Um, and then a friend of mine got me a job at a radio station, like editing audio at four o'clock in the morning. Okay. Yeah. So you went from the acting school, it goes bankrupt, you're working at this, uh, the gay bar, and then you end up at uh, the radio. At a news radio station. A news radio? Yeah, so it's not from even gay like- bar to news radio. Oh my God. A natural pipeline. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's not like, hey, wacky in the morning. It's like, no. ladies and gentlemen, there's been a tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. Like early like, on, I was here in the like back 9-11. Like, yes. <laughs> yeah. I think actually when I started there, I was like- <laughs> Playing like the gayest dance music in my little studio, and every all these like broadcast journalists are out in the newsroom being like, What? The second tower is down. The second tower, (laughs) 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 I have to praise you like I should, you know. (laughs) That old story, that tale as old as time, some would say. (laughs) Um, so. What happens at the radio station? Um, I remember saying to them one day, hey, I would be really good on the radio. And they were like, that's cute. We all went to school for this. Yeah, broadcasting and yeah. everything. So are you still working at the gay bar while you're at the radio station? Or you leave the no. bar to go to this gay bar? Yeah, radio I left the bar to go to the, okay. to go to the radio station. So you're no longer getting an outlet for your art. 
Yeah. Because like I was doing like community stuff yeah, and like okay. things wherever I could, that's, but yeah. That's why I always ask because it's, it's a weird thing as, as a, for me as a comic and I'm sure you as an actor now doing comedy, it's a weird thing because like when we don't have an outlet, it's very obvious. Yeah. Because we'll start acting out in different ways and yeah. people are like, hey man, like what's wrong with yeah. you? And yeah. It's like, I just need to die. I need people to look at me. I need to dance. Yeah. I just need to dance. <laughs> um, so you're at the you're at news radio. You're still doing community theater and stuff sure. like that. And then, how do you get on the air? So, I was I thought to myself like I'm not going to become like a real radio reporter, but I could be an entertainment reporter. Yeah. And so, oh, after genius. a while, I would just uh, I, like every day at the end of my shift, I would just take because we're all news, so there was like you know two or three minutes every half hour that was entertainment. Yeah. So I would do I would record up two to three minutes of like a little entertainment section, just as you would hear it on the radio. And I would just leave it for management. Wow. And I did that every single day. You're goddamn right you did. And after a while, they started to give me little air check sessions. And then after a while, someone didn't leave the, here's what's new at the movies this week for the morning show. And so I showed up to work and they said, do you want to be on the radio today? And you you have like, to get everything else done and you have to get these three stories produced. And I was like, I'm your girl. <laughs> and we did it. And then a few months after that, I was a full-time entertainment reporter. Wow. Yeah. So how – Because are so obviously your shift has changed. You're no longer just cutting stuff at four in the morning. Or yeah. are you? No. No, okay. no. That was okay. it. That was it. I moved out of that job and I was like full-time. So I was you know, going to events at night, so um, before, showing up to record. Before you got on the air mm – -hmm. So in that weird in-between time, because I always love these minute details, that weird yeah. in-between time, are you still working that 4 a.m. shift? Before, like when you're cutting, when you're when you're doing the two to three minutes yeah. of basically your demo, mm. that's from the 4 a.m. shift. Yeah. So you're working what, 4 a.m. to like 12? I think I was working like four, yeah, four to 12. Yeah, because I think our show ended at, oh my gosh. Yeah, I think our show ended around 10, so there was still a little bit of work to do after yeah. that. We do it in like an air check session every single day. And uh, so, yeah, 4 to 12, I think, is roughly what, okay. what life was. And then you get this opportunity. Mm -hmm. You crush it. Mm -hmm. And then they end up putting you on the air, and now you're – Hotshot entertainment I'm that reporter. Guy. Yeah. I'm that guy. I was getting invited to every opening, invited to like- Is this big? I'm assuming this is still in Vancouver? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, is this? There. Is there a lot of- I'm ignorant. I'm, I'm not allowed in Canada because uh, <laughs> of the two DUIs. I'd never been and now I'm not allowed. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. They're, they're, they're considered felonies. It's a whole thing. Is uh, that real? Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. I'm not kidding. Oh I have to write a letter to the magistrate or somebody, somebody high up. Oh my gosh. Um, and it has to be five years after I completed all my stuff in the United States. Wow. So like my probation ended in 2019 or 20. Okay. So I, I'm not legally allowed to even try to go into Canada until 2025. That's so extra. And then I have to write a letter to like a magistrate or somebody and pay a $5,000 fine in order to be allowed in the country. Anyway. Wow. So I'm a little ignorant when it comes to Canadian stuff. <laughs> Naturally. Uh, so is Vancouver a big uh, entertainment hub? Is that like the New York or LA of that area? BC? Yeah. I, a lot of people call it Hollywood North. It's very, you know, there's a lot of film and TV production there okay. because it's oh, only yeah, a couple did, hours from LA. They did suits there. Uh, did they do suits there? I, I thought they shot suits in Vancouver. Uh I think it might have been Toronto. Uh, but it was in Canada. But it was in Canada, yeah. yeah. But anyways, a lot of stuff shoots are like X-Files. All of the X-Files was shot in Vancouver. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Tons and tons of stuff. Stargate was Vancouver. I'm like, 
anybody listening to this that knows Vancouver is going to be like, yeah, you lived in Vancouver a while ago. You have no <laughs> idea what's happening there now. Um, but yeah. So there's a there. lot There's a lot to do as there's the There's a lot of opportunity. Reporter, absolutely. Yeah. And then, um, you know, it's like local arts and stuff. So it was really interesting. I covered stand-up comedy. Um, yeah. God, I interviewed Dustin Diamond. Remember Dustin yeah, Diamond? Yeah, I remember. God rest his soul. Yeah. yeah. He, okay, his publicist pitched me. He's like, he's coming to town. He's doing a show. We're trying to get some press. I was like, okay, cool. And she went, here's the thing. <laughs> Any publicist who starts a conversation with, here's the thing. Yeah. You can't ask about Saved by the Bell. And I went, so if we can't talk about Saved by the Bell, there's no point in doing this interview. We're not, because oh, wow, that's so what anybody's going to be interested in. The fact that he's coming to town to do a stand-up show is cool. But the way into that is it's Screech from Saved, Saved by, by the, the Bell. Bell. Yeah. And she went, yeah, you can't bring it up. If he brings it up, it's fine, but you can't bring it up. I went, okay. I said, uh, we'll roll the dice on this. He sat down. It was the first thing out of his mouth. <laughs> it was the first fucking bitch. thing out of his mouth. It's like, okay, here we go. <laughs> God, that's such a weird thing. Yeah, I know. You can't talk about it. Don't talk about it. Don't even bring it up. Yeah. And then he sits down and he goes, yeah. So, so Saved by the Bell. <laughs> you know, I played Screech on Saved by the Bell, right? <laughs> yeah, it is yeah. weird to see those reruns and then to see what happened to him. I, I feel know. It's so tragic because like Mario's killing it and Zach is killing it. Yeah. Um, I'm spacing her name. The lead woman. Uh, Elizabeth Berkeley? No. The lead. The the hot one. The, oh, oh. Yeah, I know what you're talking about, the uh, brunette. Three names. Now she only has two names because uh, she got Amber Thiessen. Uh, Tiffany Amber Thiessen. Tiffany Thiessen. Amber Thiessen. Thank you. God, we killed it. Good job. Yes. Yes. Uh, but yeah, she was on the <laughs> show that I watched uh, White Collar that was on USA. She was, oh, ran shit. for like 10 years or five years or something. Good so like, But they were all like – and then Dustin got into stand-up and I had never seen it. He came through Florida a bunch and I had mm. never seen him, but – I heard stories and it was like, oh man, that sucks. Yeah. So when you interviewed him, was he was he good? Was he like Yeah, he was, he was cool. on and off the wagon and stuff, so I didn't know if he yeah. was like in one of those No, he seemed pretty good. I mean, it wasn't uh he was very chill. Uh it was very like um uh, I I think he felt like a big fish in a small pond that yeah. day. He seemed very confident, maybe a little cocky, but he was a nice guy. The yeah. interview was fun. Um, Are you in suits and ties in these interviews? Are you like all dressed no. up? No, this is chill. It's radio. Okay. Nobody gives a shit what we look Oh, yeah, it's radio. radio. I, I keep, <laughs> because radio is such a long gone art form, I always yeah. forget. I always well, like imagine like Fox News like or CBS or something like dressed up. But listen, a lot of those like the, the old school guys that had been there a long time, like the newsy newsies, a lot of those guys did show up. And if they had oh, yeah. a big day, they'd show up in a suit and tie for God sure. God dang right. It might not be a nice suit and tie. But hey, it's still <laughs> suit, and suit and tie. Well, and also too, I'm sure a lot of those uh, – Guys and gals were able to transition into podcasting and stuff. Sure. I mean, this yeah, was, yeah. Actually, yes, absolutely. This isn't crazy long ago. No. Um, so you're at the station. Yeah. You're doing entertainment. Is this like the greatest thing in your life uh, up to this point? Like being able to go to all these parties and just like let loose and have fun? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, the reason I ask is because we have a story about a radio party that mm, I want to ask you about. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a lot of fun and I did feel like I did feel like I was cock of the walk. I felt like a like a big deal, you know? I've never heard that saying and I almost threw up all my water. <laughs> cock what is it? Cock with the walk? Cock of the walk. Cock of the walk. I don't know where it comes from. I don't really know what it means, but you hear it, it and you're like, good. I know that guy. Yeah. That yeah, sounds yeah. um 
So the, when you sent me this story that said radio party, was this at this radio station? Yeah. Okay. Was it? What was? It? Well, t- take us through. What happened? Okay. So it was a holiday party. So this is the first like big corporate job I've ever had in my life. Yes. And so the first year that what I was, was there, what was the name of the bar you worked at before? The bar that I worked at before, the gay bar? Yeah. The Odyssey. The Odyssey. Yeah. Okay. So we got it. That's another We've one. Got another one. Glad there. I asked. Yeah, yeah. This is a great period of my life. Look at this. Look <laughs> at me being a great host. The first two stories you sent me are the first two stories we've actually touched on. Yeah. We'll so, do the Odyssey one first. Okay, let's talk about the Odyssey. Yeah. Okay, so, so this, you're 19 years old. 19 you're years old. You're working at this bar. Yeah. So um, I had gone to the bar a lot, and I I don't know, like arrogantly went in there one day, and I was like, Have yeah, you been I out for a long here. time at this point? Yeah, I came out when I was 16. Okay. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I guess because I grew up in the South, so Vancouver would be the opposite of that. Because Drew talks about it a lot on stage and stuff, like coming out a little later in life and things like that. Right, but right. I'm sure Canada is a lot more open minded than. No, 16 was still pretty early. I was still- <laughs> I was the only gay person I knew. I had to watch. I had to watch where I go and when I went there. Let's not let's not get it wrong. Sixteen was young. I apologize. <laughs> Medicine at Alberta is like the middle of Texas, but Canada. I was like, oh, Canada, open-minded. You were like, absolutely not. No, absolutely not. I've been called the Epsilon more times than I can count by Canadians. Oh man! So there goes your reputation, Canada, yeah, Canada. Yeah. So you come out at 16. Yeah. So then at 19, you, you what were you – I'm sorry. I cut you off. You were saying you walked into the bar and you were just like, I'm going to work here? Yeah. I want to work here. And they gave me a job serving. This is a nightclub. So serving in a nightclub, it's you don't see it very often. Yeah. But that job is pure chaos. Pure chaos. I can't I, – as a, I'm someone who's been a server for a long time, I couldn't imagine cranking up the number of people, lowering the amount of space, and then blaring music to it. Oh, man. It's nuts. Nuts. I like – tray above your head all the time, just absolutely loaded with drinks. I still, I've served many times since then. And I think about the way I was serving at that bar. And I was like, I could serve anywhere. Yeah. I could serve anywhere from that experience working at that bar. But um, the way it worked is it would always go to one specific bartender, one specific spot on the bar to get your drinks for everybody. You yeah. buy your drinks from him. And my first shift, the guy that I ended up working with the most said, he's like, okay, so what's your, uh, what's your poison? And I had no idea why this was being asked. So I answered honestly. And I said, tequila. And he went, oh, this is going to be so good. (laughs) So at this bar, there's a tradition where if you get so fucked up that you can't – also, I I keep swearing. Are we swearing on this podcast? Yeah, you can fucking say whatever you want. Yeah. Um, If you get so fucked up that you either A, cannot finish your shift or B, cannot make it up the like – tiny, narrow, steep staircase to cash out at the end of the night, the next drag show is basically the roast of you. Wow. So drinking wasn't not only allowed, but it sounds like encouraged at this job. I think like maybe not by the owner and or managers, but but among the staff. And yeah, like they weren't dumb. They knew knew what's going on as long as you're not like blatant about it. Well, and also it's one of those things too where – as someone who was a server, for, who is a server and was a server for a long time and had a serious alcohol problem, some of my greatest, like not greatest, but some of the best guest experience I've had is mm. when I'm drinking a little. Yeah. You know, because I'm like, <laughs> what we do? A birthday? Let's fucking go. <laughs> hey, I can get The number of times I would wake up in the morning going, I don't know how I got here. Who the hell is this guy? And just mountains of cash pouring yeah. out of my pants. Like, 
Those were those were the best nights. Those were the at that best bar. days. Yeah. So at the Odyssey, you mm-hmm. if you drink too much, you get roasted at the drag show. Yeah. So he was bound and determined that this was going to happen to me on your first shift. On every shift. Oh, okay. Like okay. he was like really gunning for this to happen. So, so he would just slip you all this tequila. Absolutely. So the first shot, like you know, in a rocks glass, like an ounce in a rocks glass is like this, right? Yeah. It's tiny. So that's the first shot of the night. And it's just like you go up to order drinks and just boom, he puts it on the bar in front of you before he gives you your drinks. You're like, okay, down it goes. The next one, just a little bit more. But by the time you're at like near the end of the shift, it's like gulp, gulp, gulp tequila. What's the timeline on that? Like what time are you going into work? Oh my gosh. Um, I would say it was probably starting like I don't know, nine or ten. I feel at night. Yeah. Wow. And you're going till four a.m. Okay, so it's a it's a late night spot. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Um, like I said, a lot of nights you just wake up at home going like, I don't know how I got here. But, yeah, I don't know, know how this happened. But I never once, never once, um, did he accomplish his goal? I always wow. managed to finish. But there were times, always made it up the staircase. Always made it up that little staircase at the end of the night. Always made it up that staircase. God, good yeah. for you. <laughs> it's kind of impressive That's, looking back No, on yeah, it. thinking about it. Because yeah. there are times I had to get sent home. Oh, oh, I'm surprised it never happened to me. Or maybe it did try to happen and I probably just pulled my dan- my pants down for the manager and he's like, all right, you can stay. You know? <laughs> but um, yeah, they, and I remember at one point when I was working there, near the end of my time there, I thought like, I, I can't keep doing this. I can't keep getting so drunk at work. So I was going to school at the same time. Yeah. So I was like, I'm not going to drink for a while. But then I actually had to deal with horny, drunk gay men at work. And oh, I was like, God. there's a reason I've been I'm drinking drunk all this the time. Yeah. yeah. That's got to be intense. <laughs> yeah. Especially because like drunk people, especially men, gay, bi, straight or otherwise, drunk men get aggressive. Oh, for sure. For sure they do. So, oh my God. Did you ever have to like... I'm sure this is the case, but I would, if you have a particular story, did you ever have to like ask, not only like ask someone to leave or did you ever have to be like, hey, fucking cut it out? Yes. All the time. Yeah. All the yeah. time. Yeah. All the time. And I, I, like, I like it when service staff sticks out for themselves because yeah. I do it all the Like if someone, even at my nice steakhouse, if someone gets like cross with me, I like, I'll be all like, hey, yeah, how we do it? And then I'll be like, sir, this is not, it's dinner. Yeah. Like, Take it down. Yeah. And they're always like, excuse me? But I And I was talking to Andre about this, but it's like, this is real life. Yeah. Like, I've been arrested eight times. You think I care about this job enough to let you talk to me like that? Like, <laughs> think about what you're doing, yeah. you know? But to your point, like, to what you're saying is like, these people are just like, think because you're the server that you're theirs. Yeah. So you had to like- It's a little like working in a nightclub is a little Wild West. Yeah. You know, like ultimately, if someone is being- the worst. Like, can I get them thrown out? Yes. But it's probably going to take me 20 minutes to you work my way to somebody. Exactly. When I can just be it. like, if you put your hands down my pants one more time, you're going to be the fuck out of here. And I'm yeah. serious, you know? And then I don't serve that guy drinks anymore or whatever. Like, you take whatever you can into your own hands. Yeah. But that's what you got to do. Fucking right. Because I also like, listen, I've worked in enough places to be able to say like, management is not always on your side. Yeah, that's true. Management is not always on your side. It's quite often that it's like, if that guy putting his hand down your pants is the guy that's like buying a bottle every once in a while, good luck getting that guy thrown out. Yeah, it's interesting because I've worked in restaurants like that. And I've worked in opposite ones where 
like I was a lead server at a breakfast place in Florida and oh. sometimes people would get so snippy because it's early in the morning and they've got somewhere to be and or like especially on the weekends it's like two three oh, hours God, yeah. before you get sat and people would be snippy and we've we've like threw people and it's not no one's drinking it's not a party like but we've asked people to leave because they'll get snippy with the staff and I, as the lead server I'd be like no 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 we don't talk to people like yeah. that and then you go to the manager and you go table forty to get them out of here and they'd be like you can't you can't eat. And they'd be like, how can you? And we go, we've got to line out the door, man. Like, just yeah, get out. Like, bullshit. we don't need you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's awesome. That I, I love hearing stories about people. Did you ever have to slap anybody? Ooh, no. God, that would have been great. No, I'm not that guy. I couldn't yeah. do that. I mean, I talk a big game, but I wouldn't do it either. <laughs> but if you just had to be like, ah, yeah, yeah. I told you. I'm sure I got slapped, but I just oh, was yeah, so but... drunk that I can't remember. God. So then you go to the radio station. We yeah. put all that life behind us. We're no longer staying out till five in the morning getting hammered. We're now at the radio station. We have mm -hmm. a professional job at a professional place. And what happens at the holiday party? So the first year that I was there, the holiday party was like mwah, classy affair, big ballroom at a nice Ooh. hotel like sit down meal. There was like one hour of open bar before and then like as much wine as you could get over uh, over dinner, right? Yeah. But because there's like so much food going on, by the time the meal is done, the party is over because everybody kind of got drunk beforehand, sobered up and at now you dinner go home. Yeah. and now everybody just wants to like go home. The next year- there was like, you know, a new vice president or whatever in the radio. That was division. lame. That was lame. <laughs> this guy decided, and I don't think I knew this going into the party because I don't think I'd eaten that day because I was like, I want all that prime rib or whatever they're yeah. going to be serving, right? I hadn't eaten that day. I was really excited for like a sit down moment and I showed up. With and it was day. at the Odyssey. And it was at the American Odyssey. Yeah. <laughs> they're like cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> and I I'd got my boyfriend with me. And so is this the same – is it at like a nice ballroom again or is it – Yeah, slightly lower hotel, still okay. big ballroom. But we walk in and it's just like a few like food stations. So it's more of a like mix and mingle and have like little hors d'oeuvres and an open bar. The whole time? Not the whole time, okay. but enough time yeah. for like, you know, Tequila. must have been 20. Yeah, exactly. 20 years old, hadn't eaten all day. I probably weighed like 140 pounds. Oh my God. I got so wasted at that party. I got so wasted at that party. First of all, my boyfriend called one of his friends like, you have to come down here and rescue me because this, <laughs> Jeremy's a nightmare. Oh no. I know. No, but I was like, fair yeah, enough. But... I was a nightmare. Absolutely threw up all over this hotel. <laughs> you buried the lead. <laughs> Absolutely threw up all over this hotel. Um, and I believe like the like executive assistant to the vice president of this radio company was the one that threw my ass in a cab at the end of the night. Wow. So super classy. I'm super awesome. The next like Monday at work, I get in and uh, of course, all my coworkers are like just taking the piss out of me. And one of them said to me, he's like, yeah, but Jeremy, you grabbed the, the vice president of the radio group. His name was Paul. Jeremy, you grabbed Paul's ass last night. And I'm like, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. No, I would, I would absolutely that remember was, that. They were like, yeah. no, you wouldn't remember anything. You grabbed Paul's ass. The vice president of the company. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, cool. So this is my last day working in radio. It was nice to meet everyone. Yeah. This was thank this you was for the opportunity. Treat. Thanks for all the free tickets. I appreciate you. 
<laughs> so I am absolutely panicked. Absolutely panicked. Horrified. Yeah. That's Horrified. Uh, yeah. And I think I spent like most of that day just waiting for someone to like come and knock on the door and be like, hey, we need to talk to you yeah. in the other room. You know, guys, I already packed. Thank you. I <laughs> yeah, appreciate exactly, it. Exactly. And uh, I went out to like grab a coffee or something in the main kitchen and there was Paul. And I'm like, you know, try not to make eye contact. Yeah. And um, I think I went to move around. I was like, oh, excuse me. And he goes, now, now, Jeremy, don't grab my ass and walked away. And I was like, oh, he was my cool. God, it fucking happened. It fucking happened. No, but it had like, there was a tone to it. Oh, uh, okay. There was a tone okay. to it. And I thought 100% this happened. Oh my God, this is the absolute Oh yeah, worst. because you were so drunk, you thought they were fucking, you, there was a small, even if it was a tiny percent of you yeah. who was like, maybe I was joking about it yeah. and they're messing with me. Absolutely. Yeah. Nope. I've been like, there a million times. This like sealed the deal to me. Absolutely. Nope. They were all fucking with me and they got the VP of the company. What? In. Yeah. <laughs> An iconic prank. What? Yeah. Isn't that amazing? That is so good. Yeah, I know. The man never respected me after that. Let's be real. Yeah. But like, That's what hilarious. a great teamwork. It was real corporate it was, teamwork. We were bringing everyone together. Yeah. <laughs> so their whole thing was like, Jeremy got so fucked up. You know what we should do? Let's play a prank. Yeah. Hey, Paul, the vice president of the company. You want to fucking prank this guy with us? Exactly. You want in on this? And you had no idea because you were so drunk. No, I think it might've, it might've even lasted more than a day. Like this might've gone on for a little while. Wow. That's, I have that, obviously not anymore being sober, but I have that, I had that fear so often because I would drink at work and then I would, we would all go out after and drink after work. And, you know, I worked at uh, Outback at the time. So, you know, we're getting off around like nine or 10. There was always a bar within walking distance. Yeah. We'd all get a couple of drinks there. And then there were so many times where I'd be coming into work the next day like, what did you do? <laughs> like just as I'm going down to yeah. work, like in my head thinking like, did I get drunk and try and kiss like so-and-so? Did I try and like, you know, did I flirt with so-and-so in front of their boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever? Right. And I was always so – like at least once a week I was had that dread of like, fuck, I'm going to get fired today. And then you walk in and everyone's like, oh, hey, Brennan. And, yeah. you just, and you're like, <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah, nobody cares about nobody me. Cares. Nobody cares. No. Nobody cares. Absolutely not. So staying on the, the timeline after the radio station, what yeah. ended up being the la- – why, why did you end up leaving there? Um, I was starting my acting career at the time. So I actually kind of like came and went from the radio station a few times. I ended up um, like my first like uh, professional show that I got my union card on was a production of Miss Saigon. And then I didn't have any work lined up after that. that was theater or that was theater? Theater, okay. And uh, then I went back into the radio station anchoring. I ended up up doing like hard news. So I was anchoring um, overnights for a while. And then it would be like, you know, filling in on the midday. And yeah. This is crazy. I know. It's really, really crazy. Well, it's a long long way from like in the editing bay, like, do you believe? (laughs) And now you're like- Ladies and gentlemen, here's what's breaking news this hour. Breaking news yeah. this hour. Yeah. God, look at you. It's nuts, right? Fucking like watching a child grow. It's it's cool. They didn't like the lesson from that was just kind of like, I don't know, maybe I can do anything that I want to do. Yeah, maybe just if fucking I fucking dive in head first, it. grab a couple asses, and you're there. And there we are. So you go back and forth from the radio station. Yeah. And then when you get an acting gig or something, you go back out. Yeah. What was the first like big like, when did you get to the point where you're like, oh, I can act full time, like for a while? Yeah, I um, I had booked – there was this 
the show ran off Broadway. I did a Canadian production of it, but it was called Altar Boys. And it was um, kind of like a send up about a, um, a Christian boy band. Okay. And I booked a production Altar of Boys. that. Boys with a Z? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. You, you're from the 90s, you know. Uh, yeah. So uh, I we had like a tour of that and then like a, a sit down for the summertime. And so that was kind of like almost a full year of work. Um, and then I think I had booked something else in there. So it was kind of like, I think I can, I think I can do this and I can fill it in with other little like side jobs, just web design and shit like that. Yeah. Um, to kind of make ends meet. And so that was like 2009. Okay. 2009, 2010, somewhere around there. Um, yeah. So I wasn't making a ton of money, but, but I was doing what yeah, you wanted. Absolutely. Yeah, doing what you love. So then when did you decide to move to the States? Much later on. So, um, uh, I moved from Vancouver out to Toronto or near okay. Toronto to start and then ended up in Toronto shortly thereafter. Um, but uh, I met my second husband okay. uh, out in Toronto. He's American. And uh, he was up in Toronto rehearsing for an actor as well. Uh, he was rehearsing for something in Toronto. And we met then. Suits? Was it Suits? Is he on Suits? No. No, he wasn't on Suits. You're really obsessed with Suits. I, it was one of those shows that came out. <laughs> Did you binge it over the pandemic? Uh, not over the pandemic. I binged it after because I have – it's a long story. But I had a, a disdain for Suits because they were replacing my favorite USA show with it uh, oh. back when it first came out. My favorite show was Burn Notice and then Burn Notice was coming yeah, to I a close. That. And Suits, they were trying to like push into that because Burn Notice was the most popular show on USA. They were trying to like pigeonhole Suits into that time right, slot. Right. And I was like, fuck Suits. <laughs> fuck anybody associated with this show that's trying to take over my Burn Notice. Um and then fast forward years and years later, when it came out on Netflix, again, I had a resentment towards it. And right. then I started watching you it. You got over the like, Suits beef. I was like, God, this is a good show. Good for you. That's it's growth. A, yeah. The people say that. Yeah. I don't know. I So that's why I keep bringing it up. That's a long-winded way of saying I like this show. I like Suits. Yeah. Uh, so you start dating an actor in yeah. Toronto, shooting something, and then that wasn't Suits. And then do you decide to move to the States with him? Yeah, we we decided to like try to make a long distance thing worked. And at the time, uh, you know, I was I had like a communications job as like, you know, paying the bills yeah. between acting jobs and things. So I could travel. That wasn't a problem. So, yeah, I spent a couple of years just really going back and forth. And then, you know, every time you cross the border, or at least every time I was crossing the border, would come down for like a couple of weeks or something. And so I thought one of these days I'm going to get to the border. And they're going to be like, no, nah, you you need to take a few years you off. Use your time. Yeah. yeah. So um, it was one of those things that I think like a lot of international couples go through. You go Did you like, have to get a visa every time you came in? Well, no, you get a tourist visa automatically. Like there's a – I can't okay. remember what it's called. But like Canadians just like essentially show a passport. You're in and you can be in for six months as oh, a tourist. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's that's still like within a calendar year, you know? Or yeah. Like any at any given moment, you can't have been in – and for the last 12 months, more than six months in the United States. Oh, so you could – I see what you're saying. Yeah. So if you were going like every other weekend or every other week, it would yeah. start to accrue. And yeah. then you'd be like, oh, shit. Absolutely. So um, <clears throat> we didn't really know at the time kind of where where we wanted to be. Did we want to be in New York? Did we want to be in Toronto? And uh, But we decided like the thing was we don't, don't have some border agent say – you can't be together. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, God, we decided like to get married. A movie. Right? Doesn't end that great, but. Well, <laughs> to quote Morgan Freeman in Shawshank Redemption, life's no fairy tale. That's uh, right. So you end up getting married. And now you can just come and go freely. 
No, that's no. when it real. That's when that's like lockdown. Plot twist. Yeah. So when I was talking to a lawyer, they were like, "Well, where do you want to get stuck? Do you want to get stuck in the United States, or do you want to oh, get stuck in Canada?" Oh, because this is when. Uh, wait, what do you mean? Well, because once you're going through immigration, they're not going to let you. You can't cross the border. So what would happen is, um, so if if we got married, right, and I was in Canada, and he was over, he was down here, and I wanted to come and visit, they would say like, "Okay, well, you're married to an American." It seems most likely that you're going to come down and stay with your husband. So they look at that and go like, oh, you have stronger bonds to America than to Canada. So you're very likely to get rejected at the border. You get rejected at the border, that makes your immigration journey even harder. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. So you talked to a lawyer and they said, where do you want to – you got to pick a spot now. Pick a spot now and wherever that spot is, that's where you're going to stay until your immigration is done. Yeah. Yeah. Because, oh, that makes so much more sense now because if you were to leave your country, they'd be like, well, then obviously you you, had, you don't have enough reason to go back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So did it – you said you were on a green card now. Did it work? Like did – not did it work, but were you able to get – because my yeah. sister-in-law is from Spain originally, uh, emigrated. Uh, she's a d- PhD and she's a doctor and all sorts of super fun, super smart stuff like my older brother who's her husband – and they live in Spain now. And nice. it was such – but it was such a fucking hassle and a half. Yeah. Because she was here on a student visa and then she was here on a work visa and then they got married. But they got married before her visa was even close to running out because they wanted to get married. They yeah. Loved each, they <laughs> love each other. And then her visa ran out and it was like she had to go back to Spain and like deal with the whole – it was like a fucking hole to do. Yeah. So for you, I've, I have i don't know if it's any different coming from Canada because it's obviously not across an ocean and we have a lot – you know, we're a lot closer with Canada as far as trade and economics and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So was it easier to – like how did the process go? Slow because I found it really overwhelming. I get yeah. anxious and so I would like start to work on it and then like, you know, put it away And you're for a in while. New York at the time? And I'm in New York, yeah. yeah. So just like burning through money. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then the pandemic hit. And so there was – once the pandemic hit, there were – because so many things closed, there was a lot of stuff that you just physically couldn't get. Mm-hmm. Like little bits of paperwork that you needed that just were not available. Yeah. Um, so that really kind of extended things out a long time and that was really, really difficult. But um, I have my green card now. Beautiful. So we got through it. But – no, they don't make it easy. They they want to scare you off with that. Yeah, 100%. they want to make it difficult. Yeah, 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 yeah. Something given has no value, I guess. So right. They make they make you work for they it. They make you work for it. Speaking of moving around and yeah. traveling, I wanted to ask you about Peru. Oh, Peru, man. such a great place. Have yeah. you been? No. Oh, I've never left the country. You've never left America. I wasn't allowed to for a long time. Oh, right, of course. Not, not just Canada, but I'd, I'm a convict. <laughs> right, 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 right. So that makes travel complicated. Yeah. Right. Now it's fine, but back, you know, I, mean, I didn't have any money before. You know, sure. co- cocaine gets expensive. Yeah. You know. You know. <laughs> Allegedly. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I went to Peru. So after my first marriage ended, I wanted like, I was like, I got to go. When, I'm sorry. Yeah. We didn't mention that in the timeline. When, sure. When was the first marriage? Was that the radio station? Uh, yes, we were together while I was working at the radio station. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very much around that time. Yeah. So that was the boyfriend who was with you at the party? No, different guy. Oh. Different guy. Okay. So then you're with your first husband, you're at the radio station, you guys, that ends. Yeah. You meet your new husband. Yeah. You're now living in New York. Yeah. 
Peru. Peru's in the middle. Peru's kind of in the middle, in the between husbands. Okay. Yeah. So after my first marriage <laughs> ended, in life. <laughs> life again. Is just, that old story. Life is just in between husbands. Yeah. Tale as old as time. <laughs> Mine certainly feels that way. Not um, anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore. We changed it. Um. So I wanted to do something like. Uh, the most physically demanding thing I could possibly find. If Have you, you gotten to... into fitness at this point? No. Okay. No. Like flirting with it a little bit, yeah. but like this is what I wanted to – I really do think this kind of kick-started wanting to be more fit and like yeah. caring about my body. Um, so I found this trip that was a uh, – it was like a 10-day trek through the Andes – and Jesus. the last stop on it is Machu Picchu, which is like was the number one place in the world that I wanted to see. Okay. But an early stop in it, you see a whole bunch of different ruins. But this place is like, again, like an old ancient city ruins up in the mountains uh, called Chokakirao. I might not be pronouncing that right. I'm sorry. You if said I it with so much confidence. Yeah, I know. Um, and uh, But the only way to get to it is either by a helicopter or by walking for two days. Fucking climb, baby. Yeah. So... Like, you know, the second day is just switchbacks up the yeah. side of a mountain for six hours. Goddamn right Crazy. It is. 40 minutes in, you're like, I can't do this. But you keep going. You know, you learn about yourself on those, oh, those yeah. kinds of things, right? And that's what I wanted. Um, but there was – this was a group trip and there were these – People you know or people you don't know? No. I went by myself. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I didn't know any of these folks. I love that. And, I'm a big solo guy. Oh, I love it. I love traveling alone. I my, love traveling my alone. My girlfriend gets so mad because I'm always – like I'll be like, yeah, I'm at the club like hanging. And she's like, you didn't want me to come with you? I go, it's not that I don't want you to come. It's just like I'm so used to doing things on my own. Yeah. I just do – like she'll be like, what are you doing? I'll be like, I'm at the movies. She's like, with who? And I go, by myself. Yeah. <laughs> like Dinner alone, I, love it. I'm just movies so alone, used to doing yeah, absolutely. stuff alone. Yeah, me too. I really love it. I really do thrive solo. Um but there were these four guys on the trip from South Africa. Okay. And they booked this trip at the last second. This trip is the most physically demanding trip that this company that does adventure travel. Yeah. They specialize in adventure travel. Gotta love that. This is the hardest one they it's have. It's got the big asterisk at the top and it's like warning. Yeah. If there's like two trips on their like roster that are five out of five difficulty. Yeah. This was one of them. Yeah. These guys booked this thing at the last second. You're, you're going like through crazy elevation changes. They tell you before, like before you go on, you're going to experience every season yeah. on this trip. It's going to be snowing at the top and it's going to be sweltering rainforest at the bottom. So Not only that, but you're going to have elevation sickness and oh yeah, all oxygen that deprivation and all that. Yeah. I went four days early just to get elevation sickness and like weather that before starting the hike. Yeah. I can't imagine going through that and that hike. So these guys show up like the day the trip is starting, they have no gear. They're in t-shirts and shorts. All they've brought, t-shirts and shorts. I have like $3,000 in gear, base layers. Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like I'm ready to go. These guys show up, absolutely nothing. And they're like, it's going to be fine. So usually at the end of every hiking day, you end up at, you know, well, you do. You end up at a campsite. Yeah. But there's usually like, again, this is the middle of nowhere, right? So there'll be like this little hut, this little shack, and there'll be a little lady inside selling, you know, whatever you might need. And the world's worst beer. Yeah. And like bottles like this, like liter bottles of just carbonated piss. Garbage beer. Yeah. These assholes would buy every bottle. Really? Every single night. 
these guys would. And get, are they keeping up with the trek? Yes. No way. Yes. So the 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 group like every day would kind of like split in half. There was half of us that were like really fast, and then half that were normal paced. Yeah. And these guys were always up at the front of the pack. What? I know it was crazy. I don't know how they did this. They'd be up all night drinking piss, and then be up six o'clock in the morning <laughs> drinking piss. <laughs> up six o'clock in the morning complaining about it, but you know. So there was one spot we got to in this like beautiful valley. They went, bought all the beer. And I think we got there kind of early in the day. Yeah. So they bought all the beer. They burned through all that beer. And then they went back because there were still, you know, hours to spend. Um, and they're trashed, like trash trashed. And they go to this, they go back to the little hut. And they're like, well, all we have is this. And they pull out like a water bottle, this beaten up water bottle. Yeah. And they're like, we've got this. And they were like, so is that vodka? And they went, no, it's like a grain alcohol. No. It was mystery alcohol in like a water bottle that looked like it had been run over by a truck. <laughs> Just dirty and cracked and all this shit, right? They bought it. Did they? Yeah. And they drank it. They probably were so drunk. Oh my God. They were absolutely destroyed. I did try it. I will admit. You tried it? Oh my God. It was like rubbing alcohol. I swear yeah. to God. It was horrible. Hard. Like, That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. But these guys, every single day, every single day they were up at the front of the pack. And then one day we got like, there was a mountain pass. We get up to the top of the mountains and we had to wait for the the slower groups. We'd all do lunch together, right? There were yeah. these donkeys that bring lunch up. And uh, it was like raining and cold at the top. And all they had was like a trash bag rain poncho. And are they still in their t-shirts and shorts? T-shirts and shorts. Absolutely like eaten by bugs, hung over. Wow. At the top of this mountain, just trying to stay warm together. God, and they made it. They made it. Son of a bitch. They made it through. But they were crazy. Those guys were, yeah, absolutely nuts. That sounds nuts. Yeah, it was fun. I wanted to ask you- um, because we only have a few minutes left. The drinking American story. Oh my gosh. Where is that? Okay. On the timeline. This this takes place kind of Canada, but this is when I was dating my second husband. Okay. And uh look at that. We almost went completely uh chronologically. Right, right all the way through. And he was a he used to be a bartender. He really great bartender. At the like, Odyssey? No. <laughs> no, that was in Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. He was a bartender here in New York. Oh shit. Yeah. And like the man can make a cocktail. Oh yeah, he's not from Canada. Yeah. I'm sorry. And uh, so our first date, like we went for great cocktails and stuff. So we decided to have this very early on in dating. We were going to have a, a cocktail night. Oh, like a little mixer. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to, we bought a bunch of booze and he was just going to make like different cocktails and it was so much fun. So here's the thing. Bartenders in America, or at least in New York, it's a heavy pour. Yeah. It's a heavy, heavy pour. Like yeah. your martini comes with an extra martini floating in it somehow. <laughs> In Canada, it's like the laws are really strict. Yeah. Everything is measured really strictly. So like a martini in Canada takes up half the glass. So As it technically should. As it technically That's should. the proper pour. Yeah. So he's make he's like, he's doing New York pours like oh, yeah. crazy, right? And I'm trying to impress this guy. He's like a few years younger than me. And uh, I'm like two drinks in, I am wasted. Yeah. Absolutely. You're not a big wasted. guy. No. And he's doing fine. 
Of course. So I managed to get through the night. I think I did have to sneak off to the bathroom at one point to, you know, yeah. empty out and Rally. brush my yeah, teeth. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah, exactly. So spends the night. The next day, we're like out for a walk. And, <laughs> and you're dying. Dying. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I've never been more hungover. Like, what hell is this? <laughs> what hell is this? I've never been more hungover. I'm really trying to impress this guy, right? And uh, I think we were going past a Starbucks and I was just like, hey, can we just like, I'm just going to run in a grid. Do you want anything from the Starbucks really quick? Ran in. I got so sick in that bathroom. I thought I was going to pass out. I've oh, never so you been ran so into sick. like, oh yeah, you played it off like you were going to go grab a coffee. Yep. Wow, and you ended up like almost dying in the yeah, bathroom. Yeah. Praying to the porcelain gods at Starbucks in, in Did Toronto. Did he know what was going on? No idea. Wow. He had no idea. I came out with a coffee. He doesn't drink coffee, so I just had a coffee and carried on our way. But like, I think I saved the relationship that day. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Look at you. Yeah. You don't think you get enough credit for that. Thank you. I know that's a skill. That's, yeah. That's a skill. To be able to just play it all, and I mean, that's something that we kind of got really good at in my family was, doesn't matter what's going on, we're going to play it off like everything's great. Nice. But it's a skill to be able to be like, I just needed a coffee. I couldn't, do, I couldn't do it now. There's no way. No way. There's no way I could be that hungover now and, uh, and get out of bed. Well, that's an interesting thing is I, I think about this sometimes because I haven't had a drink in coming up on six years and it's weird to think about like, I, I don't even know any like- it's like Neverland from Hook. Like you forget. <laughs> yeah. Like it's been so long I've forgotten. Yeah. Which I mean is a bad thing in the sense that it's like, you know, that's not awesome for your sobriety. But it's also a good thing. And it's like like when people come into work hungover, I'm like, yeah, I don't know what that's like. Yeah. And like I remember obviously the sure. shitty times, but it's like, yeah, I don't – what are you, 17? Like I don't – what are we doing? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, really? You're 36 and you can't you can't get a handle on it? Right. Like come on, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and now the funny thing is, is like when I'm hanging out with my Canadian friends is like now I'm that guy. Now I'm the guy doing a heavy American pour yeah. when I'm making oh, drinks yeah. for everybody, and right? Everyone's like, what's wrong with you? Every like two drinks in, everybody's fucking wasted. And I'm going like, <laughs> another shot, everybody, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah, because yeah. you've gotten so used to it. And I, I took a bartending course and everything. I really wanted to be bartending. And so I'm like literally moved into that role. Wow. Yeah. Getting Canadians just hammered. illegally hammered. Yeah. Hammered drunk. Yeah. So what do you, how often do you go back to Canada? Uh, I've really only- Because you're in, you're in the States now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I live here. This is home now. And this is like, um, uh, I'm no longer married, but yeah. I love living in New York. I always, when I was this tall, I knew I wanted to live in New York. So. Yeah, I, I say it all the time. I used to have dreams, like the actual vivid dreams of like being on the subway and looking at the skyline. Yeah. And I had never even been here. Yeah. I came here one time when I was like 14 for like a family trip and we were like in the city itself for like a day or two. Wow. But I was always just like New York, it's New York or LA, New York, or LA. And then I came to New York as an adult and I was like, oh, it's New York. Yeah. Like it's, there's no way it's not New York. <laughs> 100%. I say it all, it's one of the greatest cities ever constructed. Yeah. Like people truly. shit on it all the time and you can say what you want, but it's yeah. literally one of the greatest cities humankind has ever known. Yeah. 
Yeah. I don't mind paying the absurd amount of rent that I pay yeah. when I can go like, oh, I can go to a Broadway show tonight. I can go to yeah. Carnegie Hall. I can, I can go. To, yeah. For me, because I'm so obsessed with stand up, it's like I can go to the stand yeah. and see some of the most famous comics in the world. Yeah. Like right now, actually, yeah. if I wanted to. I was A friend of mine was doing just like it, it was like a, a, a an amateur showcase and Jim Gaffigan just shows up and yeah. shows up and does like 15 minutes. God. Absolutely murders. You know, it was amazing. Yeah. And that that's only happened. Here. It only happens in New York. I wanted to ask you because we've got about a minute or two left. But when did the like the fitness and the influencing and like the the social media like when did all that blow up? Um, uh, I really leaned into fitness hard as my uh, second marriage was ending. I was working for Berries. I was working in production for Berries, and so like that's again like I deal with these emotional things in like a really physical way. Yeah, and so I really leaned into that. And at the same time, I had been. Um, uh, posting more on Instagram just as a creative outlet. Yeah. You know, I needed to to scratch that that creative itch, right? And the two of those things just kind of like, you know, all of a sudden you're posting a bunch of thirst traps and your account starts to grow and people start going like, hey, will you train talk me? Talk about this on your Instagram for a hundred bucks. And yeah. all of a sudden you're like, you know, starting to grow in that way. And uh now I've added in comedy into the mix and people are responding to that as well. And it just kind of like, yeah. So it's it's funny. It's a, it is a good representation of who I am. Yeah. My Instagram is. And it's cool when I when I talk to people that have known me for a long time about it and they always go like, it's really you. Yeah. That, that makes awesome. me the most happy. Yeah. Truly an artist and an entertainer. Well, Stage we acting, musical theater, radio, comedy. Mediocre at all of them. Hey, <laughs> jack of all trades, master of none, as they say. That's right. Um, plug everything one more time. Uh, I'm Jay Critty on Instagram, J-C-R-I-T-T-Y. Hi, Jay Critty on uh, TikTok, but Instagram's really the place to go. That's the place to go. It's the place to go. Let's get you over 100K. Let's oh, do so it. close. You're right there. Right there. Um, at Brennan T Comedy on all social media, BrennanTComedy.com. Uh, thank you, everybody, so much for listening. One Man Show, January 16th, available on YouTube. So go check that out, and we'll talk to you all next week. Oh, nice. That was fun. That was so much fun. I hope that...